to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. The Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. It's like marijuana ought to be legalized. Good people smoke marijuana. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville. Good day, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Thursday, March 16th, 2017, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. It's episode 909, and coming up on today's show, in the news, a Colorado congressman has a plan to stop Jeff Sessions from raiding legal marijuana states. In our cannabis focus, Jeff Sessions didn't actually say marijuana is only slightly less awful than heroin. It's worse than that. In drug war data mining, we have a new data uh, on marijuana and youth. We have new data on marijuana and youth from Washington State. In our new segment, Police for Reform, we speak with a former U.S. Department of Labor special agent, David Long, about using RICO laws against marijuana. And in the Radical Rant, I deconstruct Jeff Sessions' latest comments to Laura Ingraham about his fair plan to not stop prosecuting marijuana in legal states. But first, let's get to the news. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis News. This is your Cannabis Headline News for Thursday, March 16, 2017. Representative Jared Polis has a plan to keep the feds from raiding and prosecuting marijuana businesses in states that have voted to legalize it. The Colorado Democrat hopes to attach an amendment to Congress's annual spending bill for the U.S. Department of Justice that would essentially tie Attorney General Jeff Sessions' hands when it comes to using federal funds to go after the states following their own marijuana laws. The McClintock-Polis Amendment, named after Polis and Representative Tom McClintock, a Republican from California, is the best bet to keep Sessions from turning negative comments about marijuana into raids and prosecutions related to the drug. Polis said, adding that he's, quote, very confident we'll have a majority and pass this amendment when we have a chance to bring it to the floor, end quote. The New York State Assembly's budget legislation includes a provision to decriminalize public possession of a small quantity of marijuana. This measure would end the current practice of branding such minor offenders with a lifelong criminal record. This legislation would also seal records concerning old convictions for marijuana possession, thereby improving the chances that individuals can obtain gainful employment and move ahead to a successful, productive life. An Arkansas House Committee Wednesday advanced a bill to ban medical marijuana in food or drink products. The panel also advanced a bill to ban smoking medical marijuana in certain locations and rejected a measure to allow cities and counties to pass medical marijuana regulations. House Bill 1392 by Representative Robin Lundstrom, a Republican of Springdale, would ban the manufacture, sale, or use of food or drink products containing marijuana. A patient or caregiver of a patient authorized to use medical marijuana would be allowed to put the marijuana in a food or drink for personal use under the bill. House Bill 1400 by Lundstrom would ban smoking medical marijuana any place where tobacco smoking is not allowed or in the presence of a person under age 14, in a vehicle, in the presence of a woman the smoker knows is pregnant, or in a place where smoking the drug would likely cause a person not authorized to use marijuana to be under the influence of marijuana, such as a small enclosed space. The bill also would ban anyone under age 21 from smoking medical marijuana. 
joint resolution adopted today by the European Parliament and the European Union condemned the brutal drug war slaughter facilitated by President Rodrigo Duterte in the Philippines. The resolution notes that, quote, over 7,000 drug-related killings by the police and vigilantes have been reported since President Duterte took office, end quote, and that he, quote, has vowed to continue his anti-drug campaign until the end of the presidential term in 2022, end quote. The European Parliament, quote, strongly urges the Philippine authorities and military to strictly adhere to international humanitarian law to put an end to extrajudicial killings related to the anti-drug campaign, end quote. In a related development, Philippine Representative Gary Alejano accused the president of culpable violation of the Constitution, betrayal of the public trust, graft and corruption, bribery, and other high crimes related to killings linked to his war on drugs and allegations he kept secret bank accounts. The president of the industrial supply company Uline offered her ill-informed comments on marijuana on her company's most recent newsletter. Quote, have the politicians gone mad? End quote, asks Liz Uline. Referring to inactive metabolites that do not cause impairment, Uline warns, quote, marijuana stays in your system for at least five days. This can affect Uline warehouse employees who go up 30 feet in the air to pick products off of the shelves. End quote. Uline reveals she knows less about marijuana than, quote, your grandchildren or grandchildren who may be busy telling you it's safer than alcohol, end quote, which is objectively true. Uline concludes that marijuana is, quote, bad news and that it, quote, remains a gateway drug, end quote, which science has concluded it never was. Legal marijuana businesses may want to reconsider their choice of industrial suppliers. Somebody donated a lot more than they intended to to the Goodwill in Monroe, Washington last week. Goodwill employees got a surprise when they opened a donated cooler and found marijuana. Monroe police were called in to investigate. Quote, the employees were surprised when they opened the lid, end quote, the police said in a tweet. The Monroe Police Department said the cooler contained 3.75 pounds of pot with an estimated street value of $24,000. They are looking at surveillance video to see if they can find who may have dropped it off. This has been your Cannabis Headline News for Thursday, March 16, 2017. I'm Russ Belville. In the interest of fair and balanced journalism, the Russ Belleville Show presents the anti-drug public service announcement of the day. Welcome to the Brain Warehouse. We provide new brains to cure any effects animals may have in their product. You a puker? Hey? No. You know about the new spew stopper? No, I'm all right, mate. Ah, the Freak Out Free X50. You know, back in the old days, before these came out, you lost it on weed and phew, that was it. Imagine that. You want it installed? With stronger strains than ever before. Mess with cannabis and you could mess with your mind. If you'd like to find out more, talk to Frank. This has been the Russ Belleville Show's anti-drug public service announcement of the day exclusively on RadicalRust.com.
Get your tickets now for the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference happening one day only in Eugene, Oregon on Friday, April 28th. This year's OMBC will prepare you for the world of adult use and medical marijuana business opportunities in Oregon. You'll learn all about the latest OLCC regulations for adult use cannabis, including testing requirements, tech and branding, taxes and distribution, and the latest developments in medical marijuana regulations. OMBC features networking with Oregon's leading experts in marijuana, including State Senator Floyd Brzezanski. You'll also get to hear from four-time NBA champion and now cannabis entrepreneur John Sally. Early bird pricing is available for conference only and VIP passes, which get you access to the VIP networking events featuring John Sally and other speakers. It's the 2017 Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Tickets available now at OregonMBC.com. That's OregonMBC.com before April 14th to get your early bird pricing. OregonMBC.com. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. Warning. It's taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. What is your major malfunction, numbnut? A public service message from the Russ Belleville Show. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our cannabis focus. As I posted yesterday in Attorney General Jeff Sessions' prepared remarks for a speech he delivered to law enforcement in Richmond, Virginia, he suggested obliquely that marijuana is safer than heroin, but not much. This was from his, uh, his prepared remarks, quote, I realize this may be an unfashionable belief in a time of growing tolerance for drug use, but too many lives are at stake to worry about being fashionable. I reject the idea that America will be a better place if marijuana is sold in every corner store, and I'm astonished to hear people suggest that we can solve our heroin crisis by legalizing marijuana. So people can trade one life-wrecking dependency for another that's only slightly less awful. Our nation needs to say clearly once again that using drugs will destroy your life. End quote. Well, that may be what the speechwriter prepared for Sessions, but as it turns out, he went off script during that speech. As Tom Angel reports, Sessions ad-libbed through that section of the speech and dropped the life-wrecking dependency part altogether. I have the full audio that I got from an NBC feed on this. It was reported on U.S. News and World Report. This is Jeff Sessions and what he actually said yesterday in Richmond, Virginia. I think we have, uh, not, uh, we have too much of a tolerance for drug use. Psychologically, politically, morally, we need to say, as Nancy Reagan said, just say no. Don't do it. There's no excuse for this. It's not recreational. It can be destructive, uh, and it consistently is destructive. Lives are at stake, and uh, we're not going to worry about being fashionable, in my view, at this point in time. Uh, we're going to see, and we're already seeing, the death and destruction that results from the prevalence of drugs in America and the argument's not going to be that hard to win 
in, in the months to come, you, it'll be, people will see too many of the people they know losing their lives. I reject the idea that we're going to be better placed if we have more marijuana and you can just go down to the corner grocery store and get it. Give me a break. This is high-purity THC content marijuana, uh, and it's uh, not a healthy substance, particularly for young people. I'm astonished to hear people suggest we can solve our heroin crisis. Have you heard this? By having more marijuana. How stupid is that? Uh, Give me a break. So we're going to have to stand up and confront that. Tell the truth here. Our nation, nation needs to say clearly once again that using drugs is bad. It will destroy your life. In the 80s and 90s, we saw campaigns uh, stressing prevention. I spent a lot of volunteer time with volunteers in my hometown, as I think happened all over. Many of you participated in those, and it did work. We can do this again. Educating people and telling them the terrible truth about drugs and addiction will result in better choices by more people. We can reduce the use of drugs, save lives, and turn back the surge in crime that inevitably follows in the wake of increased drug use. So that was his actual remarks that he uh, varied from his prepared remarks. And there's a lot to unpack there, so uh, let's just do that. First of all, he opens with this. I think we have... Uh, not, uh, we have too much of a tolerance for drug use, psychologically, politically, morally. So at the very minimum, I think we can expect from the Trump administration a return to the rhetoric of the drug war era, uh, a, a strong government campaign, a strong anti-drug campaign from the government, because the Trump administration, their whole tagline is make America great again. And as far as Jeff Sessions was concerned, America was great from 1980 to 1992 when it comes to drug policy. We need to say, as Nancy Reagan said, just say no. Don't do it. There's no excuse for this. No excuse for this. And when it comes to those of us who would put forth the argument that marijuana is safer than alcohol and that we have our choices uh, to be considered here, He doesn't believe that. He believes in his core that the pharmacology of marijuana itself leads to crime and devastation, leads to addiction and misery. It's not recreational. It can be destructive, uh, and it consistently is destructive. Consistently is destructive. He doesn't believe there are people like you and me who can use cannabis every day, every day, multiple times a day, and still be functioning, productive members of society, law-abiding citizens in this country. Jeff Sessions' bigotry is obvious on this issue. And like his bigotry in other areas, it precludes him from rational thought. It precludes him from understanding the science, the reason, the evidence that we have. He really believes that as the government moves forward, and projects a strong authoritarian anti-drug message that the people are going to be on his side. We're going to see, and we're already seeing, the death and destruction that results from the prevalence of drugs in America, and the argument's not going to be that hard to win in in the months to come. And as he continued, he continues to uh, paint this picture that I think is what he sees in his mind 
when we talk about marijuana legalization. He really believes that out here in Portland, Oregon, or in Seattle, Washington, or any of these places, Denver, Colorado, that you can walk into grocery stores and buy marijuana. I reject the idea that we're going to be better placed if we have more marijuana. And you can just go down to the corner grocery store and get it. Give me a break. Now, I'm not against that necessarily. It'd be nice for me to be able to go down to the corner grocery store and get some marijuana, but that's not happening in any state that has legalized marijuana. We're forced to go to separate stores, individualized stores. Imagine if the average American who wanted to just buy a beer had to go to the beer store, and that's all that was sold there is beer. Now, I know we have liquor stores, like here in Oregon, the only place you can get tequila or rum is going to be at the liquor store. I'm talking just beer, though. Like, that's the only place you can get it is a beer store. Maybe that's the case in a few places in America, but for most of America, I I think people would reject that pretty soundly. And he also continues to promulgate this myth, this fear, that somehow the potency of marijuana makes some sort of difference. This is high-purity THC content marijuana, uh, and it's uh, not a healthy substance, particularly for young people. See, this argument about the high-potency THC of marijuana always makes me wonder. You know, he's always saying, these guys are always saying, this is not your father's Woodstock weed. That the weed that your parents smoked back in the Summer of Love era was this weak, impotent, 4 5% THC weed. Okay, so you're kind of telling us that today's weed is more dangerous, right? That would mean logically that yesterday's weed was less dangerous, right? So can we just legalize that? Can we do like we did when the end of uh, alcohol prohibition happened and just legalize 3-2 beer? Like federally, any weed below 15% is now legal. No, you can't. They want to say that today's marijuana is terribly deadly dangerous, but also yesterday's marijuana was terribly deadly dangerous. It's all terribly deadly dangerous. And of course, of course, they pay lip service to this opiate epidemic they claim that they want to solve when right in front of their face is the solution, access to marijuana. I'm astonished to hear people suggest we can solve our heroin crisis. Have you heard this? By having more marijuana. Well, how stupid is that? Oh, give me a break. No, how stupid are you for not being able to read Basic science that is being reported in the Washington Post, in the New York Times, in the Wall Street Journal, on Forbes. You can't miss it. Fewer overdose deaths, fewer deaths in car crashes, fewer opiate prescriptions, fewer people using the opiates, people kicking the opiates and switching to cannabis. It's in front of your face. Everybody can see it. Nobody is buying this bullshit, Attorney General Sessions. My nation nation needs to say clearly once again that using drugs is bad. It will destroy your life. It will destroy your life. We're not going to hear so many messages from the government about alcohol, I'm sure. Uh, They'll probably remain mum on that. We can reduce the use of drugs, save lives, and turn back the surge in crime that inevitably falls in the wake of increased drug use. Crime inevitably falls follows drug use. He literally believes that people who use drugs per se are criminals, that the mere 
ingestion of these substances turns a regular, normal, moral citizen into some mouth-breathing monster. It's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde all over again. And that is just not the case. Not even with just marijuana, but all drugs. Most people who use drugs can handle their high. Most people who are using them, the only problem they've got with the drug is the fact that it's illegal and they can go to jail for it. I'm not worthy! I'm not worthy! All right, that sound means it's time for us to take a break because it's 4.20 in the Mountain Time Zone. Happy 4.20, everybody in the Rocky Mountains. We're going to take a break with Packers Pipe here. And when we return, we got some data mine from Washington State. Oh, poor Kevin Sabat. Reality continues to have a pro-legalization bias. Huh. Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show. I do support the use of medical marijuana, and I think even there, we need to do a lot more research. Okay, well, maybe you're high, too. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. (coughs) Or at least they pay me to say that. Cool. <laughs> A public service message from the Russ Belleville Show. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, we return to the number one objection of marijuana prohibitionists to the idea of states legalizing the adult use of cannabis. Well, today, the 2016 Washington State Healthy Youth Survey has been released, and I have their data brief right in front of me for marijuana. You can look at it, too. It's at askhys.net, if you'd like to look it up. I'll just read from the brief. In fall 2016, over 230,000 students participated in the Healthy Youth Survey. Over 1,000 schools administered the survey, representing all 39 Washington counties and 236 school districts. Rates of teen marijuana use have remained steady despite the changing landscape. In 2016, 6% of 8th graders, 17% of 10th graders, and 26% of 12th graders reported past 30-day marijuana use. About half of those who used marijuana in the past month indicated they used on 6 or more days, 41% of 8th graders, 
45% of 10th graders and 52% of 12th graders. But again, let's reiterate, rates of teen marijuana use have remained steady despite the changing landscape. The majority of current marijuana users, about two-thirds of 8th and three-quarters of 10th and... 12th graders usually smoke marijuana, a much smaller percentage reported usually eating, drinking, or vaping marijuana. There was a decline in 2014 in 12th grade current users who usually vaporized it from 7% to 5%. Now, the perceived ease of obtaining marijuana remained stable at 8th and 12th grade or declined 10th grade between 2014 and 2016. Hmm... We legalized marijuana in Washington State. We put it in adults-only stores that check IDs. And the 8th and 12th graders say it's still just as easy or hard to get marijuana. It didn't really change. The 10th graders said it was harder. The 2016 10th graders, 27% of them said it's very easy to obtain marijuana. In 2014, that was 32%. It got harder for high school sophomores. The 8th and 12th graders, about 40% of the 12th graders say it's very easy to get. Now, where teens obtained marijuana may be changing according to the report. Of those who obtained marijuana in the past month, the percentage buying it at a store decreased from 2014 to 2016 among 8th graders and 10th graders. Among 12th graders who obtained marijuana, the percentage getting it from friends decreased 63 to 57 and giving money to someone else to purchase it increased 16 to 19%. All right, so among the younger kids, fewer of them are able to get it through stores. Hmm. Among the 12th graders, now again, a 12th grader, you're talking about someone that's 17 years old, possibly 18 years old. They're giving money to people to buy it from the legal stores. That did increase. But here's something to consider. Where else were kids getting their marijuana? From their own grows or from dealers? Marijuana of dubious uh, purity and dubious content. So at least if these 12th graders, about one in five, are giving a straw purchaser money to buy marijuana for them, at least the marijuana they're getting is tested and guaranteed. Now, another fact from the Washington Healthy Youth Survey, declining perceived risk of regular marijuana use among 8th graders should be carefully monitored. The percentage of 8th graders perceiving great risk in regular marijuana use fell from 53% in 2014 to 48% in 2016. Okay, they also say many teens perceive little risk of marijuana use. In 2016, one in five eighth graders, one in three tenth graders, and almost half of twelfth graders perceived no or slight risk to regular use. But here's an interesting thing. That fact doesn't leave, live in a vacuum. From 2014 to 2016, fewer kids think, that, think it's risky. Fewer kids see a problem with using marijuana, and yet, what was that headline at the top? Rates of teen marijuana use have remained steady despite the changing landscape. So even though the kids are finding less risk in it, that's not leading them to take it up. Now, they do have a concerning point here. Too many teens are driving after using marijuana. 
51% of the 12th graders who reported using marijuana in the past 30 days reported driving within three hours of using marijuana at least once in the past 30 days. All right, wait a minute. Now, that's not fair. No, that's not fair. They're not crashing their cars because they've smoked marijuana within the past three hours before they drove. The thing I'm concerned about for these 12th graders is Washington State has a 5 nanogram per se DUID and zero tolerance for people under the age of 21. Kids, you're just taking an unnecessary risk if you're getting behind the wheel within three hours of driving. Not that I'm too scared of you wrecking into people. I'm scared of you getting busted. And finally, last point, state, local, and community prevention efforts are crucial for addressing youth marijuana use. They lead of leave a few... Uh, websites for you starttalkingnow.org and learn about marijuana wa like washington.org you can find all this all their fact sheets at askhys.net some other quick facts from this the alcohol use declined among the uh, washington kids binge drinking declined cigarettes declined e-cigarettes declined painkillers declined other other illegal drugs slight uptick Stay tuned. We're back with former Special Agent David Long from the U.S. Department of Labor in our Police for Reform segment. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? get a new instrument or fix the old one the trusted professionals at the fingerboard extension will evaluate your instrument for free repairs are priced for people who work for a living stop by the fingerboard extension downtown corvallis at 120 northwest second street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com you're listening to the russ belleville show i drank beer heavily and tried drugs enthusiastically you can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. I smelled some marijuana smoke in Vietnam. A public service message from the Russ Belleville Show. War on drugs is just one symptom of the American criminal justice system gone awry. Reforms are desperately needed in the areas of mass incarceration to asset forfeiture, police brutality to racial profiling, mandatory minimum sentencing to solitary confinement, and so much more. One group of law enforcement professionals has recognized the need to reform policing to better protect and serve the people. Join us now for another discussion with a speaker from LEAP, the Law Enforcement Action Partnership, in this edition of Police for Reform. Welcome back, everybody. 30 after the hour, and we inaugurate our new segment, Police for Reform, with our special guest from LEAP, David Long. David, welcome to the show. 
Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, so glad to have you here as well as we expand this segment to cover more areas of criminal justice reform, just as Law Enforcement Action Partnership has expanded their mission. Uh, tell our folks a little bit about yourself. I've let them know that you were a, a special agent for the Department of Labor, but uh, give an idea what your job was all about. Sure. Um, I was a special agent with the U.S. Department of Labor's Office of Labor Racketeering, which is a, a law enforcement unit within the uh, Department of Labor. We were tasked with mainly investigating uh, labor union corruption, and or, uh, which involved a lot of organized crime. Um, I'm also an attorney by training, and I'm currently a professor of uh, criminal justice and legal studies. The term racketeering is something that came up uh, on our radar recently as uh, we reported on the current attorney general, Jeff Sessions, uh, in an interview with conservative talk radio host Hugh Hewitt, who had suggested that the marijuana movement, the legalization of marijuana in the eight states now, uh, could be brought to its knees through RICO prosecutions, the, the racketeering-influenced corrupt organizations statutes. I imagine you've got a lot of knowledge about those statutes that I lack. So could you tell folks a little bit, what is RICO? How does that work? Well, RICO came about, um, there, there's, there's actually, on the federal level, there's civil RICO and criminal RICO. And the statute came about um, as, a, as an effort to really get at the underpinnings of organized criminal activity. And um, uh, basically, there's uh, certain uh, crimes that underlie any RICO prosecution. They're called predicate offenses, and they could be anything from drug trafficking to um, trafficking and anything, uh, cigarettes or um, uh, uh, child pornography, any, almost any, anything you can think of could possibly be a, a predicate offense under RICO. And it's really designed to get at, at, uh, get at those criminal actors that may not be actually um, taking, the, taking the actions, but more of part of the, the conspiracy offense. Um, and so the suggestion that um, going after, um, I guess, uh, going after actors in states that have legalized marijuana, that would be an unprecedented use of the RICO statutes, <laughs> an un unintended use of the RICO statutes, may I, may I add, as well. And to be fair, in his comments, Attorney General Sessions said it would be a lot more complicated than just one RICO case. But uh, that leads paranoid old me to think, so maybe a RICO case plus some other actions? Uh, what would be the mechanism by which he would, if he took this unprecedented action, how, how, would, how would we know that's happening? What sort of signs would we see? Well, if Sessions was to pursue... I, I'm assuming he would be pursuing, uh, 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 pursuing uh, state actors that uh, in states that have legalized um, the use of recreational marijuana or, or even medicinal marijuana. He would target those um, people dispensing um, marijuana and, and, and make them part of a, a, a RICO an underlying RICO prosecution. The only way, uh, the, the only sign that those being targeted would really receive 
um, that they were being being investigated is, I mean, if they were lucky, possibly a grand jury subpoena, but very likely they might just the first the first time they might really realize they were the target is when they get arrested. Um, Jeff Sessions is, is appears to be you know quite um, quite opposed to um, uh, recreate both recreational and medicinal marijuana. I I would be I I, I don't know I I wouldn't be surprised if he went after um, actors and states that have legalized marijuana in one way or the other. But I might be surprised if he if you utilize the RICO statute to do so. I, I, it, it's possible, I, I guess, but it would certainly be unprecedented. But we, we are living in times that are very unprecedented. So you took the words out of my mouth. Impossible. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so so the, the, the RICO prosecution thing would be unprecedented. Politically, it might be, you know, a, a lot to try to pull off. But these days, who knows what might happen? Is that basic summary summation? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and in a state like, um, you know, California, where I am, um, the response of the of the state, I would say, would be quite vigorous. Yeah. So uh, we have yeah. we have state attorneys general from uh, almost all of the, the recreational legalization states that have piped up already and said, hey, we're going to vigorously defend our laws. So maybe a question right. of. How much does Jeff Sessions have on his plate? How much political capital does he want to spend on this issue? Exactly. And, <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, the federal government, um, for all their resources, um, I'm not sure they have the, they, they would probably have to pick a, pick a, you know, just a, uh, you know, a, a case, uh, a, a deterrent, a, a case for deterrence, because the federal government really doesn't have the resources uh, uh, to run around um, uh, engaging in major RICO prosecutions in states that have legalized marijuana. Yeah, yeah, more really more one of those send a message type of cases or shot across the exactly. bow sort of thing. Exactly. We're speaking with former special agent David Long, who worked at the U.S. Department of Labor's Office of Inspector General. And uh, given your background working with labor and unions and corruption and such, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about California. We'd had a case with the UFCW, United Food and Commercial Workers, one of their leaders getting embroiled in some sort of corruption scandal I'm still not quite understanding. But what is the state of labor relations with respect to the emerging legal marijuana industry? And is there attention from the U.S. Department of Labor regarding possible corruption? Wow, that's a great question. I'm not sure I know the answer. Um, uh, at this point, uh, the, as, as far as the position of the U.S. Department of Labor, I would guess it would be one of severe uh, reaction. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I, I don't say that after having read anything. I just say that after watching um, the Trump administration at work. So um, as far as union relationships with the new uh, you know, uh, medicinal and le uh, recreational uh, marijuana industry, I actually, I, I actually can't speak to that. I'm, I'm just I, I don't know. 
Okay, okay. Uh, the other considerations, uh, other things I was uh, considering talking to you about here had to do with uh, where I saw you had a background in identifying or investigating identity theft cases tied to the Mexican mafia. And of course, right. uh, we hear a lot of the Mexican cartels and their involvement in the trafficking of drugs into this country. Uh, can you give us a little back this this identity theft and and other ways that these criminal organizations work aside from drugs? Aside from drugs, oh well, they'll get involved in anything that they feel like they can make money um, uh, doing. I, I believe they were they were so interested um, back when I was an agent. In identity theft cases, what they were doing in the cases I investigated and participated in, they were actually stealing um, uh, identifying information from payroll companies and then setting up uh, false, fraudulent unemployment insurance claims against those people whose information they obtained. for them, uh, and it was, these were some of the cases were $40, $50 million cases. Um, for them, it is actually you know, a very safe type of case because it doesn't involve drugs or, or, or guns. Mm. Um, now, we found plenty of guns during those cases, but essentially what they were doing is committing a white-collar offense. And as we know, white-collar offenses are punished much less severely than your street level, you know, your traditional street level offenses. So, um, which makes it a much safer proposition. I mean, you could, you you could be caught with essentially what amounts to five packets of methamphetamine and be looking at a five year mandatory minimum sentence where, and you throw a gun in the mix, you may be looking at 15 years mandatory minimum, whereas you steal, you know, a million dollars from somebody, uh, you might not go to prison. Hmm. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a safer crime. So I say for the criminal. So, so uh, I guess that leads me to wonder why are these big Mexican cartels, Sinaloa, Juarez, et cetera, involving themselves with the, the drug trade. If this sort of crime is as lucrative or more lucrative or safer or well, well, it, well, it's, it's not more lucrative. Mm. than the drug trade because the drug trade we have a completely uncontrolled market um you know millions and millions and millions of dollars can be made um in over the course of a week um uh, for example the as opposed to the identity theft crime that i was just telling you about i mean it took some it took some work um and it took a number of people that you know to 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 put this to put this together, there's a lot of paper involved um, that is easily pre- reproduced by the state as well because they're filing forms that the state requires. They're, they're fraudulent forms, but they're, requi- they're filing forms that the, uh, that the state requires. So the state actually has duplicate uh, copies. So there's, there's a, a, a paper trail, um, not that drug traffickers at the high, high levels don't have use paper and documents and books and records, but they don't file those same documents gotcha. with the state. So, so um, is there much and, overlap between the, uh, the drug trafficking organizations and these others that are doing these white collar crimes? Or are they separate organizations? No, I, I don't. Uh, very, very often they're not separate organizations. For example, we ran across, you know, 
AK-47s um, investigating the Mexican mafia um, on these identity theft cases. And it wasn't to protect, uh, you know, the, the money they were making from the from the uh, identity theft. It's gotcha. to protect, you know, it's part and parcel of their drug traffic. Okay. Uh, um, David Long is a former special agent uh, from the U.S. Department of Labor's Office of Inspector General and a speaker with the newly expanded Law Enforcement Action Partnership. David, thanks for joining us on this inaugural segment, and uh, good luck in the future. You bet. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. All right, stay tuned, folks. We have a radical rant coming up. Jeff Sessions is developing a fair plan with a sound basis for legal marijuana. I wonder what that could be. Be right back after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show. And it's the first time in two years, or not first time in a year and a half, that I had a decent night's sleep because the arthritis pain was gone. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Warning. It's taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. A public service message from the Russ Belleville Show. Total war against public enemy public number one. Ten federal criminal penalties for the one ounce of marijuana. Marijuana is probably the most dangerous drug. Legalization is just another word for surrender. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. This is not medicine. This is a cheech and chong show. Encourage people to use less drugs. I am ill. That was the point. I think we've made a mistake to legalize. Negative reports coming out of Colorado. Don't smoke marijuana. Well, earlier in the show, we talked to you about the comments of Attorney General Jeff Sessions that he spoke about. uh, He had had a speech that he had uh, made, but uh, we got his original uh, his original remarks as they were prepared. He went off script and instead delivered a whole bunch more reefer madness and. We wanted to explore some more of that here on the show, so we're going to uh, switch over here to the other window. I'm getting something fixed real, real quick here. Get the right window up on the latest reefer madness from Attorney General Jeff Sessions, because that same morning, before he went in front of the law enforcement personnel in Richmond, Virginia, he appeared on the Laura Ingraham Show, a conservative talk radio host, and she asked him, Quote, will this department begin prosecuting the sale and use of marijuana? End quote. The attorney general once again warned about marijuana being sold in the corner grocery stores. He added that legalization inevitably, 
increases teenage use. And he explained that he's, quote, not going to stop prosecuting marijuana in those states, end quote, and that the Department of Justice is, quote, going to develop a fair plan, end quote, to address that and to address the fact that marijuana, quote, still remains against federal law. Now, once again, like we did yesterday, I'm going to play the whole clip for you so you can judge the context and the tone for yourself, and then we'll break it down. This is Laura Ingraham on her show yesterday interviewing Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Attorney General Sessions, on the issue of uh, marijuana use, the Obama administration decided that it was not going to go after recreational marijuana use. Obviously, legalization efforts across the country are, are being pushed by a lot of big business interests. Big, I call them big pot uh, in, in Colorado. A lot of people like the tax money they're getting, but we have all sorts of other uh, uh, um you know, terrible effects of uh, increased marijuana use among young people. Will this department begin prosecuting uh, the uh, sale and uh, use of uh, marijuana? I do not believe that this country is going to be better off uh, if we have marijuana sold at every corner grocery store and that it's available uh, in large amounts to uh, even teenagers. No matter what the law is, once you make it quasi-legal or basically legal, uh, then it filters easily into the young people's hands where it does the most psychological damage, according to the New England Journal of Medicine and other studies of this. So I think this is the American Medical Association is the one that did, I think, the final last major report on the dangers of it. So that's a big deal. Secondly, it remains, as you know, federal law remains in effect. And it, it is, makes it unlawful to distribute or possess within, uh, marijuana in any state, even though the state might legalize it. So within those states, we're going to develop plans that uh, uh, have a good sound basis to it. And we're not going to stop prosecuting marijuana in those states. Uh, we just don't have the personnel to uh, uh, walk the streets like the local police. What about the existing states? And, what about the existing states? Like like Colorado. Yes, well that's what I mean. Those those states we're going to it still remains against federal law okay. to possess and distribute marijuana, Got it. and we're going to uh, develop a fair plan for, for that. Fantastic. Uh, we're looking forward to your speech today in Richmond, Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Thank you so much. Don't go away. There you go. That's Attorney General Jeff Sessions on the Laura Ingram Show, and uh, we're going to break this down bit by bit because there's six. Major parts to this that I, I have to address. First of all, this continued reference to the corner grocery store. I do not believe that this country is going to be better off uh, if we have marijuana sold at every corner grocery store. What is it with the corner grocery store? Like, it, I, You know, it's like this is coming down from some memo because he said it later that morning. Uh, in his speech uh, in front of the law enforcement people, he said this. I reject the idea that we're going to be better placed if we have more marijuana. And you can just go down to the corner grocery store and get it. Give me a break. So once again, he said it in uh, his hearings. I'm not sure we're going to be a better, healthier nation that if uh, we have uh, marijuana being sold at every corner grocery store. So I... 
don't believe this is a mistake. I believe this is purposeful messaging on the part of the administration to try to obfuscate the issue of legalization, to try to convince people that legalization means, oh my God, there's going to be pot in the grocery store. That's not going to happen. The next thing, uh, he says how legalization inevitably means that it's going to lead to teenagers getting their hands on it. And that it's available uh, in large amounts to uh, even teenagers. That's not happening. We just did the drug war data mining segment from Washington State that says the use rates among the youth have remained the same. That the younger youth are less and less able to get it from stores. We get the same data out of Colorado telling us that the youth use rates have remained the same or gone down. This is despite the fact that all across the country, the youth perception of the dangers of marijuana has declined, which I always say isn't a decline in the perception of risk. It's an increase in the understanding of marijuana. Of course, if you were taught as a young person that marijuana is the gateway drug to heroin that's worse on brain damage than an A-bomb blast on Bikini Island, and then later you learn, oh wait, it's a medicine and it doesn't kill people, yeah, your perception of its risk is going to decline. And their disapproval of use has declined. They no longer think that people that use marijuana are scumbags as often as they used to. But despite that, their use isn't going up. Jeff Sessions wants to tie this to the idea that legalization means marijuana palooza. It's going to be everywhere. All the kids are going to be using it. And the fact is, in Oregon, Washington, Colorado, California, all of these marijuana states, the only thing legalization changes is access for older people. People in their 50s and up now have a place to shop for weed. No matter what the law is, once you make it quasi-legal or basically legal, uh, then it filters easily into the young people's hands where it does the most psychological damage, according to the New England Journal of Medicine and other studies of this. And that's just not true. It's just not true. We've had stings. They've run stings in Washington and Colorado and in Oregon trying to bust stores that are selling to underage kids. And they get a few. They get a few. But the rates are so much lower than what we find in bars, taverns, and restaurants in serving alcohol to kids. And again, anytime he brings these things up, they're not in a vacuum. you got to compare them to what the system used to be, Attorney General Sessions, which was kids dealing to other kids, getting it behind the shop class, picking it up uh, in the parking lot, dealing with people of an unsavory nature sometimes. Now, For those who believe that Jeff Sessions isn't really going to do anything, he may not. We may not see any major crackdown on marijuana from Sessions in the Department of Justice. We may not. But whether or not he wants to should not be in in doubt. Like, if Jeff Sessions had unlimited resources and the go-ahead from the president, you've got to believe that he'd be all for a crackdown in the legal marijuana states when he says things like this. Federal law remains in effect, and it, it is, makes it unlawful to distribute or possess within, uh, marijuana in any state, even though the state might legalize it. 
He's clear about that. It's illegal to possess, illegal to distribute. And there was a part in there, if you listened real close, when he said it's illegal to distribute or possess within possess when he wanted to say possess with intent to sell. But he stopped himself and said possess. I think that reveals a little something. I think that reveals that their attitude isn't going to be to go after the users and the growers. It's going to be to go after the commerce of this. So within those states, we're going to develop plans that uh, have a good sound basis to it. And we're not going to stop prosecuting marijuana in those states. We're not going to stop prosecuting marijuana in the legal states. Now, they haven't been prosecuting marijuana in the legal states recently. But you can go back before Holder and find plenty of prosecution by the federal government against the legal states. You can see things like the Kettle Falls Five. Uh, you can see uh, Eddie Lepp. Uh, you can see uh, Molly Fry and Dale Schaefer cases. Three right off the top of my head. Numerous Operation This or That, where the federal government is involved getting in going up against marijuana. Yes, he does admit that they don't have the manpower to do the policing. They can't bust the kids with the dime bags. They can't raid every shop. They just don't have the manpower to do that, which is why I anticipate, I anticipate their actions to be mostly paper, paper. They're going to send letters. They're going to send injunctions. They're going to file lawsuits. They're just going to make it a real pain in the ass to be a legal cannabis business. They're going to do everything they can to increase the cost of doing business, to increase the price of the marijuana. And then when the marijuana gets more expensive, the black market kicks in, pardon me, the underground market kicks in. That continues to to thrive because the demand won't go away. In fact, the demand is going to increase among older folks because they know now they can't get busted for it. As that underground market increases and the legal market struggles, the prohibitionists point and say, aha, see, legalization doesn't work. This is the same game plan Republicans have with government in general. They hate it. They get in charge of running it. They run it like shit. It doesn't work. People start to hate it along with them. I believe that's the plan for marijuana. They want to make it shitty and not work and get the people to dislike it. And so they'll do everything they can to allow legalization to proceed, but to proceed handicapped, to proceed, to proceed with an injury, to proceed damaged. So they can point at it and say, we gave you a chance and it didn't work. What about the existing states like like Colorado? Yes. Well, that's what I mean. Those those states we're going to it still remains against federal law okay. to possess and distribute marijuana. Got it. And we're going to uh, develop a fair plan for, for that. They're going to develop a fair plan for the states like Colorado that have legal marijuana. It's going to have a sound basis, he says. Sounds to me like they're thinking about it. Sounds to me like they're coming up with a plan. Now, they did say, he did say that uh, he finds part of the Cole memo was valid. He said that yesterday. The Cole memorandum set up some policies on the President Obama's Department of Justice about how cases should be selected in those states and what would be appropriate for federal prosecution, much of which I think is valid. I may have some different ideas myself in addition to that. And I think what that's all about is about Jeff Sessions saying that, uh, hey, this coal memo you left me? Yeah, this is a pretty good list of justifications for me to go ahead and start busting people. 
I got a news story come across my desk right before the show talking about uh, a bust in Colorado that they're working on, feds and local, that has to do with trafficking of legal marijuana out of state. There's your cold memo violation right there. If Sessions wants to go hard against the industry, it won't be difficult for him to find cases that violate the cold memo, folks. That's all the time we got for Hour 1 for those folks on the podcast. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in Hour 2. For everyone else, live on YouTube, stay tuned. We'll be right back. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seat, you manage, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seat, you manage, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it.